Hi, my name's Ben and I'm the Creative Director here at the Forge Community Church. I am delighted that you have chosen to listen to this podcast today. What we're about to play is our latest message from In The Room on a Sunday. Now, this is different to our online talks and messages that you may have seen on YouTube, but we thought you may enjoy a place to hear back the talk that happened in the room. We hope you enjoy. Hey, good morning, everyone. My name's Steve. It is so good to uh, see you here uh, today. In the year 2000, a disaster movie um, came out into uh, the cinemas. It starred Mark Wahlberg and it um, starred George Clooney too. And it was the retelling of the story of uh, the Andrea Gale, which was a a fishing boat uh, that was captained by a guy called Billy Tyne. And uh, it would got to the end of the kind of the fishing season and Billy Tyne just wanted to be able to go back out one more time to see if he could catch uh, just those few more fish. And so he managed to convince his guys to go out at the end of the fishing season, knowing that it was going to get rough um, uh, in order to do this fishing. And they go out, but they don't realize that the weather conditions, two weather fronts were coming in at the same time, uh, as well as a hurricane blowing. And uh, it created the title of the film, uh, this one here, The Perfect Storm. Anyone see it? Yeah, a few of you. Okay, okay. Well, it could be said that today we are in the middle of a perfect storm. A perfect storm financially where it's almost like from so many different fronts, uh, our, our financial situation gets hit over and over and over again. You know, there was inevitably going to be fallout as as a result of the um, COVID um, pandemic, uh, where the government uh, borrowed so much money in order to try and keep the economy going when everyone was uh, locked in. Oil and gas uh, became in much greater demand once things started to get back to normal post um, the COVID uh, situation. And then at the same time, The war in the Ukraine, which um, started its almost a year ago um, uh, now, uh, meant that the oil supply became limited, which meant that the cost of oil uh, was rising uh, exponentially too. The war also meant that grain, uh, Ukraine being one of the huge, uh, one of the countries that that, uh, delivers so much grain. Uh, with that being held back, has uh, led to a shortage, uh, and therefore there is a food cost of living that's taking place right now. So aren't you glad you came to church today, hey? I just thought I would kind of set the scene for you there just to make you feel all miserable. Inflation, that kind of that monthly figure when it takes from one year to the next as to how much um, uh, things have gone up in price, Uh, shows that it rose to a 41-year high in October um, uh, 2022 of 11.1%. The equation, the part of the equation of that is the food equation. Uh, And that hit in December, prices have gone up 16.8%. And so we are living in what is known as the cost of living crisis. So you might be thinking in coming to church, well, that's a bit political, isn't it? You know, starting to talk about the cost of living crisis. Why are we doing that? Because, you know, it's not very religious. Well, actually, we're doing this series because it affects all of us. And what is 
well, to me, unsurprising, but it might be surprising to you. God actually has something to say about the crisis and the situations that we find ourselves in in life. And so what we're going to be doing over the month of February, and I'm really excited by um, uh, what's taking place this month, we're taking a two-pronged approach to the cost of living. We're taking a pastoral approach, and we're taking a very practical uh, approach. So over the next few Sundays, um, we're going to be looking at how we can live differently through a crisis like this, how we can live free, free from worry, free from um, that anxiety that builds so much, how we can live with margin, how we can live ethically, and how we can still live generously. And so we're going to focus on some words of Jesus. We're going to focus on some words of a man called Paul, who wrote much of what's known as the New Testament, the second part of the Bible after Jesus um, uh, had lived and died. And we're going to be looking at what that means for us today. But alongside that, we're also doing something very practical. We're running three practical sessions, which are called Mind Over Money. And it's led by our very own Andy Hunt. So I want you to take a look and have a listen to a bit of Andy's story and of what's coming up this month. So my name's Andy. I work as a money advisor for Anglia Care Trust, uh, so part of the money advice team there. Um, so that entails giving um, various aspects of money advice, kind of all-encompassing, really. So primarily we focus on debt advice, but also um, benefits advice, housing advice, kind of whatever they're going through at that time and whatever they're needing. So um, I kind of started off in retail straight out of university. Um, didn't really know what I wanted to do, so just kind of landed in that. Then um, fast forward a few years from there, ended up in banking. Really great opportunity came up. Um, that was kind of just at the beginning of 2020, which we all know what happened in 2020. So I started my new job with um, Barclays Bank um, one week exactly to the day, one week after the first lockdown hit. It ended up kind of becoming like an insurance and loan sales role, very much like cold calling as well. Not the role I signed up for at all. So I ended up um, like exceptionally miserable from that absolutely hated it. it was horrible at the job um and then started to kind of look for something else so i'm someone who spent the first 22 odd years of his life somewhere on this scale between agnostic and atheist probably more towards the atheist side of the scale to be honest more than anything else um then i'm at my um, my wife jen back in 2017 she's a christian who's come to the forge the whole time that we've been together and before then and I remember the first time I came down here to visit her and um, also met her parents. And she, she's like, we're off to a talk at the Forge. I was like, okay, yeah, lots going on today. Meeting the in-laws and also going to church for the first time in 15 odd years since I went to primary school. But um, I came to the talk and it was, um, it was Duncan Banks doing a talk on um, the story series. So that was, um, yeah, what, six years ago now, give or take. And I must admit, I was really, really interested like the history of it all all the stories um fast forward over the kind of next three or four years um Gemma mentioned about doing the alpha course a few times and I was very flippant about it yeah yeah sure I'll do it sometime you know as you just put something on to do this it's like yeah yeah whatever I'll do that we never did and then obviously during the pandemic that's when she was like I, I think you should do the alpha course and I was like okay fine in my head, if nothing else, just to get you to stop asking about it. But um, honestly, one of the best things I ever did, because I probably would have continued down my path of just trying to earn lots of money, which in the banking world, obviously, great opportunity to do that. And that's why I pursued it in the first place. But 
what use was that if I'm absolutely miserable? You know, I'm coming home demoralised, hating my job. I'm miserable around my family because I'm miserable from my day trying to get better at the job. So what's the point in all of that? Whereas now, yes, granted, I've taken a little bit of a pay cut because it is a lower paid job in the charity sector than in banking. But I come home really happy. I get to help people. And, you know, that's kind of what the epitome of what like Christianity and God is all about, isn't it, really? Let's face it, it's all about trying to help people. And he, I'd say he felt very, very much um, guided me down that path, really. When I was working in banking and Barclays, there was very much a thing of not really helping people. It was always trying to look after the bottom line uh, at Barclays, you know, how many insurance things can you sell? How many loans can you sell to people? But I just, it just didn't feel right somewhere in my core. I just couldn't deal with that. It was just not in the best interest of the person. So I've flipped that coin over and now rather than selling them the debt, I now try and get them out of it instead. So the Mind Over Money course is going to be split into three sessions. So the first se uh, session we've got is um, next Wednesday. So that is going to be the 8th of Feb, that's starting at 7.30. And that one's going to be looking at uh, maximizing income. So what can you do to reduce your outgoings and boost your income? Um, very many different ways that we'll explore to do there. But the idea is that all of the suggestions in there are simple and easy to integrate, which means that they're actually sustainable for the long term. Um, second section that is coming on the 22nd of Feb, 7.30 again uh, in the evening. And that one will be looking at all about budgeting. So how to create an actual effective budget, um, what you need to prioritize in that budget and actually looking at what you can do to actually implement that in your system. And then the final session on the 1st of March, um, that is going to be looking at how to deal with debt. So this one will be looking at what is debt, how to manage debt and how to deal with debt when it becomes unmanageable. The course is aimed at absolutely everybody. Um, I don't care if you're on benefits, if you're on 30 grand a year, if you're on 130 grand a year, it really doesn't matter. Um, it's anyone can come along. Um, so please, please, absolutely anybody come along. Just for fairness, there are other banks other than Barclays. Okay, I just wanted to make that kind of clear um, today. Now, honestly, please uh, do sign up for um, one, two, or three of those sessions. Uh, you can do it via our website at forgechurch.com forward slash budgeting. I have my laptop over at the next steps area, basically behind these um, screens here. Um, they'll be pulled back and we have a next steps area and you can sign up today for any of those sessions if you think that's what's going to be helpful uh, to you during this time. It's both a pastoral approach and a practical one. You see, sadly, when it comes to the cost of living, we're not able to change the situation. And that's what makes us feel so stuck. We just have to live through it. A bit like those um, people had to do that in the Depression in the 1930s and rationing after the Second World War. So, so this isn't a new situation. This has hit our country time and time again. But I guess the question that I want us to be thinking about today because we can't change the situation, it's this. If I can't change the situation and end the crisis, how can I live free? Live free from worry and anxiety. How can I find peace in this present crisis? Because you see, when we're struggling with the bills, when the electric bill comes in and, and we cannot believe how much that's gone up. When we go shopping and we see our food bill has risen by so much, when the mortgage rate has gone up and it's affecting our payments as well, 
there's also those kind of feelings of embarrassment when we really start to struggle financially too and think, oh, it's probably my fault. And we live with all of those insecurities. It can cause anxiety, it can cause sleepless nights, and it can dominate our thoughts and our feelings. So my friend Leon Evans, who came to speak here uh, um, for our 30th celebration back in November, um, I, was, um, I was listening to one of the messages which he gave at his church um, a while back, and I contacted him and said, can I use your headings because I think they're so helpful for us at The Forge today, and he said yes with a price, so I had to pay him. For it. No, I didn't. No, not at all. So, um, um, so I thank you, uh, Leon, for that. If I can't change the situation and end the crisis, how can I live free? Well, there are some verses that are found in uh, a letter in the New Testament, which we call the letter to the Colossians. It's Christians meeting in a, t- in a town or city called Colossae. And Paul, the author, is writing to these new Christians to encourage them on in their new faith in Jesus. And this is what he writes. This is what he writes. He says, since then, you have been raised with Christ. In other words, he's saying, since you've come into this new life with Jesus, he says, set your hearts on things above where Christ is. And then to kind of emphasize the point, he says it in a slightly different way, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. So what I want to do uh, with the help of Leon's insight I want to pick up on three things for us to consider um, here today. Three things that we can learn as we go through a financial crisis, but in fact, it's any crisis that we find ourselves in. If we want to be free and live free, free from that worry and anxiety, which can be overwhelming. So the first, and these, these won't necessarily be your first thoughts about this, but the first thing which we need to be able to do is this, it's to think about your thoughts. What does Paul say to these new Christians? He tells them to set their minds on things above. Now, people do research for everything nowadays. And I've heard this through research that the average person has 6,000 thoughts a day. See, You come to church for information, I'm giving it to you. 6,000 thoughts every day. Now, how they work that out, I have no idea. But it shows that we think a lot, don't we? And our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. They are. This was true just a couple of weeks ago. Um, uh, I was walking through the kitchen and I just noticed that there was almost half of Sarah's birthday cake left there on the shelf. Hadn't thought about it at all before. I went through and I sat down to watch telly and all I could think about for the next little while was a cake that was still sitting there. And so I decided to get up and, and I cut myself a slice because, you know, our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. And so I sat down and I watched the telly and I enjoyed it so much that I cleared the cake just to save Sarah from from overeating. That's the kind of husband that I am, okay? I want you to know that. But you see, when my thoughts, thoughts focused on something, it's incredible what happens when we think certain thoughts. And our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Now, we can't stop thoughts coming into our head, 
but we can stop them from lingering there. I remember one speaker um, when I was uh, much younger uh, saying, you know, you can't stop birds from flying over your head, but you can stop them nesting in your hair. Now, a bit weird, I know, but anyway, it did stick in my mind. It did stick in my mind. So when it comes to the cost of living, the bills that are arriving in our inbox, or we look at our bank statement and we realize that it's red and not black, and we see how overdrawn we are, where do our thoughts naturally go? they naturally go into panic mode. I don't have enough. What am I going to do about this? How will I make ends meet? And panic and stress builds. Why? Because that's where our thoughts then linger. Actually, it's no surprise. Now, going back to that heading, you know, think about your thoughts. I'm not saying don't think about it. I'm saying think about what you're thinking about. Catch yourself. Paul wrote those words, set your mind on things above. Don't ignore what's going on, but don't set all of your thinking towards that. Because when we do, naturally, anxiety and fear will keep on building. Don't bring all your focus there. Don't spend all of your time thinking about it because it naturally leads to panic and anxiety. When Paul wrote the, those words, set your mind on things above. That little word set, basically, in, in the original language, means be intentional, fix, take action. Because you see, if you don't take hold of your thoughts, your thoughts will actually take hold of you. And every time, every time we put on the news, and uh, or we look at the newspapers or, or we scroll through social media and the crisis is highlighted, it brings what we would call a negative narrative to our thinking. And the media is brilliant, is absolutely brilliant at catastrophizing uh, the situation. And they pick out the worst parts of it and then say that that's the norm. And it plays on our fears and our worries. COVID um, illustrated this so well. Do you remember those, those daily briefings that we used to get um, uh, when Boris and others would come and stand there? It was the three podiums. Uh, and at five o'clock, I think it was, uh, every day that was happening. And rather than reduce fear, it actually raised fear levels for so many people. And I, I spoke to three or four different people during that, uh, those early stages of COVID just to tell them to stop watching it because all it was doing was feeding in their thoughts um, that fear, anxiety, and, and some were even worrying so much about if they caught it, were they going to die? D do you see, if you let thoughts linger in your heads in such a negative way, it has an effect on us as people. A man called Craig Rochelle, who is um, a, a pastor in the uh, United States, he just said this. He said, what comes into your mind comes out in your life. A couple of years ago, uh, I was really struggling over a situation. It was a relational fallout with someone, and it played on my mind so much uh, that it was always the last thing I thought when I went off to sleep. It was the first thing that came into my mind when I woke up. And it was just that stomach-churning, horrible, horrible feeling. 
and it had got a hold of me. I hadn't got hold of my thoughts. My thoughts had got hold uh, of me. And honestly, it affected um, my outlook on, on life and stuff uh, so much. So I decided that if I, so I, I got some therapy um, uh, to, to try and work through this, and um, I, I made a decision that if I can't change the circumstance, I can change my thinking. So every time the person came to mind, I prayed for them. I did. I, I prayed that God would bless them. I prayed that they would be getting a good night's sleep, even if I didn't. And every time, that, that first thing in the morning, that last thing at night, and at other times too, basically, I just kept on redirecting my thoughts. And honestly, it changed things for me. I managed to interrupt the spiraling kind of negativity before it got momentum. And what I tried to do is just to keep on lifting it to God. That's why Paul says, set your minds on things above. The situation remains the same, but my response to it changed. So when it comes to this crisis, and, and, and you might be finding yourself in such a difficult place as you've received another bill and you're wondering how to, how to meet the need of that bill. We can let it feed on our minds and worry and stress us out. But that's not what God wants for you. He says, no, no. You need to think about your thoughts. Think about what you're thinking. And you need to set your mind on, on things above. In another letter, a man called Paul um, uh, wrote these words. He says, we take every thought captive and make it obey Christ which sounds great, but how on earth do you do that? Well, we actively, we actively, proactively choose to redirect our thoughts and our worries towards God. We redirect our thoughts and remind ourselves of what we do have rather than what we don't have, the good in our lives, and we tell God how thankful we are for those things. And we start the day and we end the day with God. In other words, don't start the day with opening up emails or with the news. Don't check your bank balance last thing at night. No, no, start and end the day with Jesus. And set your mind, your heart on things above. Your first thoughts of being who God is. Honestly, it will start to change how you cope with the situation that you find yourself in. So when there's things that you can't change, you can change your thinking. So think about your thoughts. The second thing is this, is control the controllables. Because what I'm not saying in this, okay, is set your mind on things above and just be so heavenly minded that you ignore everything that's going on. Nor are we just to stick our head in the sand and just hope that it goes away. That never works. No, we need to control what is within our control. Now, let me just, um, for some of you, this might be your first time here. And if so, I am so, so pleased. And for some of you, you might be still be exploring what faith is. And so you're coming because you're a little bit intrigued. And again, so grateful that you're here. 
But I want to give you just an insight into something that followers of Jesus, people who who would call themselves Christians, uh, what they believe. And it's this, that I and others believe that everything that we have doesn't actually belong to us. That we believe that actually it belongs to God and that we are stewards of what he gives to us. So for Christians, there's an awful lot of a lot at stake for this because God has given us a level of responsibility on how we use our money. And it becomes really important because it reveals what's really important to us as to whether we use it wisely in the way that God would want us to or whether we use it selfishly in the way that we just want to have things for ourselves. So if we want to control the controllables, we have to deal with horrible, horrible words. Okay, it's words like this. Budget. Yuck. Limits. Discipline. That little word called enough. (laughs) They are just not very nice words. Just because you want it, even if you can afford it, it doesn't mean that you should buy it. That's, That's where these words have a limiting factor. And this is why, honestly, I so strongly recommend that you sign up for money, Mind Over Money on Wednesday evening, because Andy will be helping us to control the controllables, how to boost our income, especially for those on low income, and how to reduce, reduce expenditure uh, uh, too. We need to control the controllables. It is so important. A man called Henry Cloud, who I've listened to uh, many talks, Um, he's written books and he's a a psychologist uh, uh, of renown as well. He suggests this, he says, make two columns. In one, write down everything that I can control and in the other, what I can't control. So something like this. And so I can't control the mortgage rate. I can't control the price of food. I can't control the price of fuel. So it all kind of feels a bit helpless with all the things which we can't control. But then we need to put the other side of that. But I can control where I shop and how much I choose to spend this week. I can control how much I use my car and whether I can lift share or whether I should cycle or whether I can walk rather than just going up the road in my vehicle. Now, Doing something like that just makes sense. You haven't got to be a Christian to do that. That's that's just a wise thing to do. But if we are followers of Jesus, which I know many of us are, if we're a follower of Jesus and believe that we're just stewards of what God has given to us, then we must live like this. We must control the controllables because then we're honoring the one that we believe has given us all these things to start with. So we need to think about our thoughts. We need to control the controllables. And then finally, for today, we need to trust the trustworthy. We have got to learn to trust God. If we're going through a financial crisis, if we're going through this cost of living crisis, in this time, there is such a need for us to trust God. Now, I know that for some of you, life is incredibly difficult and you are really struggling, and that panic feeling is there every time you go to bed and when you wake up in the morning. Because this is the reality for so many people. I mean, just take a look at this. Um, This is 
at, at the Forge, we, we look to give away money. It's called the Hardship Fund to families and individuals who are really struggling. We don't sort their financial problems, but we're able to demonstrate our support by giving gifts away. Just have a look at what happened there in the first quarter of 2022. You see, if you're struggling financially, you are part of a huge number of people who are struggling at the moment. You're not alone in this. And what this chart also, I want to make really, really clear, if you are going through such financial hardship at the moment, we have money set aside to be able to help and support and to show that we want to help you, that we want to walk with you um, uh, at this time. But that rise there in the first quarter, that rise is happening again right now. So many people are affected by this. So it can sound a little bit trite, can't it? Well, you've just got to trust God, haven't you? But actually, regardless of our financial situation, regardless of our income, we do need to trust God. We need to lean into him, to trust that he understands, to trust that he cares, to trust that actually God provides and is working today despite the difficulties that we face. We do. We need to trust. A pastor that I follow on Instagram, his name is uh, Rich uh, Velodas, uh, said this recently on one of his quotes. He said, the image we have of God in our heads in many ways determines the degree of worry we feel in our soul. So if our image of God is that he is disinterested or that he's weak or that he's fed up with us or that he's saying, well, it's all your fault, or if he's overwhelmed by the situation too, I think we have everything to fear. I do. But that's not the God that I know and trust. It's not. That's not who I've chosen to follow. The image of God that I have, which you need to capture, is ultimately found in Jesus, who understood poverty because he grew up in poverty, who met the needs of people in very unexpected ways, who loved and cared for those who were struggling, who spoke out against oppression and injustice. And wherever Jesus was, there was hope. Wherever he went, there was hope and a way forward. And honestly, I still believe that today. God is 100% trustworthy. He's reliable. He's constant. To trust the one who is trustworthy means turning our gaze upwards. Why? Because he wants us to know that we're not going through this alone, that he is with us and he sees and he understands and he knows. He says, set our minds on things above. Even if you feel that it's your own fault, he'll still hold our hands and lead us forward on a journey to find that freedom, freedom and peace. And to trust the one who is trustworthy means that we don't have to carry this heavy weight, this, this worry, this stress that we can bring our worries and we can say this, God, I can't do this. I can't do anything about this. And so I'm gonna do what you tell me to do. I'm going to cast my worries, my anxieties onto you because you care for me. 
I'm going to trust you with this. And we can say, Jesus, because of who you are, I'm going to set my heart, my affection, my love, and my thoughts on things above, on you. And I'm going to play my part in controlling the controllables. But ultimately, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust my life to you. And you can pray, Jesus, if you cared so much that you died for me, you gave your life for me, I know you're not going to desert me now. And do you know what? This next part is so important. Because you can pray this and say, Jesus, if you're going to provide for me in unexpected ways, then I'll trust you with that. And I've discovered in my own life that is what God does at times of need. It's not always the predictable way that God provides. He provides in other ways. Often through other people who show generosity. And it's humbling and it's hard to receive. But it's how God works. And if it means asking for help, Jesus, then I'll swallow my pride and I'll do that. And honestly, you talk to us. As a church, we would love to be able to help if you're finding yourself in one of those incredibly tough situations. I want to finish on two readings that I hope will encourage you as you face the cost of living crisis. Remember that I asked the question, how can I live free, free from worry and anxiety? How can I find peace in a crisis? Well, take a listen to this. You can follow it on the screen or you can just close your eyes and allow these words to wash over you. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up. And be alert to what's going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. Your old life is dead. Your new life, which is your real life, even though invisible to spectators, is with Christ in God. So don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. And then, then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Let me pray. God, there is so much going on at the moment in our world, in our bank balances, in our lives, which are out of our control. And Lord, the enemy loves to fill our lives with dread and worry and fear and anxiety. And yet, God, what you want to pour into our lives is your peace and your hope and your love. So would you help us to be able to catch our thoughts to think about our thoughts and to redirect them from this negativity and this hopelessness to a God who is full of hope and full of life. Would you help us to control the controllables and be wise in how we use our time and our money and our energy? And 
overall, would you help us to have a clear picture of who you are so that we can trust the trustworthy, that our lives are in your hands, knowing, God, that you love and care and that you will provide. In Jesus' name, amen. That's all from us this week. We hope you enjoyed the Forge Catch-Up podcast. If you'd like to connect with anyone, then please email info at forgechurch.com. We would love to connect with you. We'd love to hear what our online audience are saying and thinking and doing. Please remember to subscribe and we'll see you for another message next week.